0: This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor of Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. Uh, My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, If we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at I
1: hope
0: that you had the opportunity this week to meditate in Psalm 104. And if you did, you Went through one of my favorite uh, parts of that scripture, which is, it says, He causes the springs to gush into the valleys, and they flow between the mountains. They supply water for every wild beast. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds of the sky live beside the springs. They make their voices heard among the foliage. He waters the mountains from his palace, and the earth is satisfied by the fruit of your labor man, it is so good to be able to derive our joy and peace, our hope, our life and light directly from the source. Like life is full of difficulties and chaos as we've talked about. But in the midst of all of that, we can see passages like this and understand that if the donkeys are supplied by this water and if the valleys have beautiful uh, streams flowing through them and if the birds of the sky can trust that God provides and if the earth is satisfied by the fruit of God's work, then we have all that we need. We have all that we could ever even imagine in the goodness of what God has created for us that he has filled the empty, that he has formed the formless, and that he has lighted up the dark. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness had covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God uh, was hovering over the surface of the waters." Note these things down as we've talked about last week a little bit, but I want you to keep it fresh in your mind. In the beginning, empty, formless, and dark. But wherever the Spirit of God is, there is creation, right? There is good. It's very good. When God's presence comes into darkness and emptiness and a formlessness, what happens is things get lit up, things get formed, and things are Uh, filled to what God has for it. And so remind yourself as we go through this, in a life that is full of formless purpose, in a life that is full of emptiness, of friendships and family and church life, and in a life that is full of darkness, we can remind ourselves that though that life has been full of death and disease and wickedness, there is a God who came into the midst of it to recreate it back into what was perfect, what was good. And so I'm just reminding us this throughout this Christmas season from God's Word that we have life and light because of Jesus Christ. And I want to walk you through why that's so important. So if you will, look with me at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and all things were created through Him and apart from Him. Not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. And there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. This is a continual theme throughout John the light of the world is Jesus Christ, and he's come into the world to bring life. In John chapter three, uh, verses 19 through 21, it says, "The light has come into the world, but the darkness hates it." And in verse 21, later it says, "But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light, so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God." In chapter eight, huge. Pr- pronouncement of God's uh, son being divine the divinity of Jesus Christ it says I am the light of the world here we have the great I am Jesus Christ in John chapter 9 it says it again in verse 5 where it says as long as I'm in the world I am the light of the world a world that is dark can see because Christ is there in John chapter 11, it says, aren't there 12 hours in a day? And Jesus answered, if anyone walks during the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks during the night, he, he does stumble because the light is not in him. See, Jesus is the light for our path. He's the light of our life. In chapter 12, it says, the light will be with you only a little longer. Walk while you have the light so that the darkness doesn't overtake you. While you have the light, believe in the light. Later in chapter 12, it says, I've come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me would not remain in darkness. Light is a continual thing throughout John. Jesus is the light of the world. We, we see these truths. And, in, and at Christmas time, it's good to remind ourselves that the light of the world has come into the darkness of the world to light it up, to bring life and light. But, but hold on for a second. Think about this as we look forward to what Christ is doing, knowing that we can look back and see what He has done, as we look forward, remind yourself of Revelation chapter 22. It's so good. Like when we talk about the streams of life, the the food of life, the breath of life, the the beauty of life, the the community in life, the feeling and forming of life, everything that we have that is good, remember Revelation 22 verses 3-5. through It says, and there will no longer be any curse. The throne of God... And the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will worship Him. And they will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. People will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, because the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Because all the light that we need and all the life that we need will be sustained directly from the source of life and light, God. Now, now track this with me. Walk, walk through this with me if you think about it. Right? So we've come from Genesis 1, which says, he, uh, uh, right when he sees the, the earth is dark, formless, and empty, what does he do? He says, let there be light. It's the first th- creative act he does. Let there be light. The last creative act that he does is let there be life in humanity. He breathes life into us, into humans, from light to life. God is the orchestrator who brings formless and emptiness and darkness to life through the light. In John chapter 1, we're told that Jesus is the light that brings life. And then finally in Revelation 22, we find out that the, forever our eternity will be drawn directly from the source of light, who is God the Father. As we dwell with God for eternity, we're going to have the direct source of light and life with us in like, person, like the ability to see and derive our life and light directly from the source. That's why it makes it so unbelievable when we read John chapter 1, verse 1. You look at both ends. You look at Genesis chapter 1, and you see God the Father working through His Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit to create. And the first thing He does is let there be light. To to Revelation 22, where He, He is the source of all light. The let there be light is Him. Right? And in the middle of that, in John chapter 1, we have, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's huge. Like, it's a huge statement. In philosophy, in Greco-Roman culture, uh, and, and for the Jews, this is a huge statement. The Word for philosophy was wisdom. The Word for uh, um, the Israelites, the Jews, was, uh, um, um, it was prophecy, but it was given for the Messiah. The Word was what could create and sustain. Word had a lot of power within it. Uh, for the philosophers, when they heard word, what they heard was wisdom, and that wisdom was Christ. You see, uh, even in Scripture, like in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 19, it says, The Lord founded the earth by wisdom. The technical term for this is wisdom person- uh, personified. It's when you give a word uh, human-like characteristics. You see what happened there? When the word is given human-like characteristics... What happens in Jesus Christ is the Word isn't just given human-like characteristics. The Word comes as a human. It's all the creative power and the glory of God in the person Jesus Christ, the Son of God who's been here for eternity and will be here for eternity. Jesus Christ comes as the wisdom, the power to create, as the Word, the power to speak in life is created, and as the Word which will dwell forever. And if you think about it, If you pause there for a moment, now we have a divine Jesus Christ. The Son of God is God, because it says in the Word was God. And if Jesus is God, then now what's with us? Light. The light that can create light and the light that sustains all life in Revelation 22 is now present with us through Jesus Christ. John 1 is the story of the light and life coming to be with men who were in darkness and formlessness and and, uh, emptiness. And there's the Son of God. In Proverbs 8, verse 30, it says, I was a skilled craftsman beside him. I was his delight every day, always rejoicing before him. The I is the wisdom. Throughout Proverbs 8, verses 21 through 30, we see the wisdom is the one created, and all of a sudden we see it as a person. And now it makes sense that wisdom is a person, because wisdom is Jesus. Word is Jesus. Jesus is personified through so many different words, or or, uh, demonstrated in so many different words, even in John chapter 1, verse 1. But for us, it's not just a word. It's not just words on a page. It's God in the flesh through His Son, Jesus Christ, to be with us for light and life. Verses 2 through 3, it says, He was with God in the beginning all things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. When you see everything around you, you can remember this, that when God saw something that was formless and void or formless and empty and dark, what he did was he filled it, formed it, and lit it up. And if he did that, he did that with everything. Like every single thing you see has been created by God for the purpose of being very good being good and very good. Good, good, very good, as we talked about last week. So if everything in between darkness and formlessness and emptiness has been created for what is very good, then we can see things around us and go, God created this for us. This is good. What, what is the purpose of it? What is the goodness of it? What, how is it bringing community? We start asking different questions like, God, if you gave me this, what is the purpose for it? if it's around us, well, how are we utilizing it? This Christmas season, you see so many different things from gifts to decorations to people you haven't seen. Throughout the whole year, you get back together. Family you haven't seen for months, you get back together, right? I know, I know someone in, in the room who's, whose daughter's coming home, who serves in the military. Get to see her. Wonderful things. Like all of these things, just so good being able to hold family and be with family. But remind yourself of this truth, that everything was created by God and through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. All of these things have purpose. Everything. Verses 4 through 5. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. As Andreas Kostenberger says, God's first creative act involves light and culminates in the creation of humanity. As I mentioned before, if we're going from light to life, don't forget who gives the light in the first place. Isn't it so easy to enjoy life without remembering who gave the light? You know what I'm saying? Like, we're just enjoying God's good creation without enjoying the Creator. Romans tells us this, we turn to the creation rather than the Creator. We do it so often. I think it's at the, it's the very beginning what sin is. like? We, we want the creation rather than the creator. And so we can see it even with light and life. When we forget that the source of life is light and that Jesus is light, then we turn away from the source of life to the things of life. But Jesus gives life. He is the light. And from light to life, we give him glory. So John wants us to see these similar things, right? Did you see them in John 1 and Genesis 1? We talked a little bit about this week, the last week, but just to remind you, in the beginning and in the beginning, they're both in Genesis 1 and John 1. But not only that, look further. Formless and empty and dark is mentioned in John 1 as darkness. Kind of all the whole thing. Darkness. Darkness is in the world. Just like when it was formless, empty, and dark, we have darkness again. So what's needed? Well, in Genesis 1, it says, let there be light. And in John 1, the true light is coming into the world, in verse 9. So John wants us to see the similarity between these two, because we're not to live in the darkness. And you may say, well, what's darkness then? Because it was formless and empty, but then darkness was on the earth. What is darkness now? Because then it was the absence of light. Well, what is darkness now? It's the absence of light. It's, it's life without God it's, it's immorality it's uh, a, a lack of direction in life lack of purpose in life it's showing sin uh, to us because when light comes into darkness it shows sin it's all of these things that when the darkness is exposed to light you see what it is but when there's no light you don't understand that it's there so when we ask the question what is darkness ask any, basically the answer is this anything that is separated from God which makes sense for Revelation 22 right? If the darkness is anything separated from God, then all of a sudden Revelation 22 makes total sense. Because when God's presence is here, it's all light. And so John chapter 1, when Jesus comes, it makes sense because Jesus is the light. And so what did it mean for them, for these first century Christians to have heard this in the philosophers and the Greco-Romans when they first read it? Because John is so good at writing specifically to their culture. Well, Jesus is the creator that fills the empty. If, if God's the creator that fills the empty, because when he saw emptiness, he filled it, then Jesus is the... In, in Jesus God. Then Jesus, who's now in the flesh, in front of them, is the same God who fills the empty. The same way with, with, with formlessness. Jesus is the creator that formed the formless. He gave it identity and purpose. And finally, Jesus is the creator who, who lights up the dark. When, dark. when there's darkness, Jesus lights it up. And so what does this mean for them? It means that the, empty, uh, the emptiness robs you of community. Emptiness robs you of community. Why does emptiness rob you of community? Because if it's empty, there's nothing with you. Can you imagine walking outside and everything just being barren? Like, there's nothing out there. It's just a wasteland. Like, back to Genesis 1 pre-God forming and filling. Just walk out and there's nothing... I think about that, like, in the sense of, like, you've seen, like, the apocalyptic movies and stuff like that. Like, just everything's a wasteland outside of you. There's no trees. There's no beauty. There's no, there's no sun and earth. There's no food. Uh, there's no friends and families. There's no animals. Like, everything that we look at around us, which in John 1, it tells us that Jesus created everything. Imagine if there was nothing. You see, emptiness robs you of community. When when darkness is present, when chaos is around us and we feel like we are empty, remember that Jesus is the one who fills. But also, the formless robs you of purpose. If the emptiness robs you of community because there's nothing with you, the formlessness robs you of purpose. Because what is a sun without light? What's an ocean without water? What is land without soil? You know what I'm saying? Like, what is an ocean without the beautiful dolphins and fish, the food that's produced from it, the beautiful sunsets around it, the boats that are able to float on it? What's the ocean without water? What would what would it be like? Uh, uh, you got gardens. Some of you have gardens. What would it be like if you walked outside in your garden? There's no soil. It's just concrete the whole world's just a concrete mess no beautiful flowers no amazing trees no valleys covered with grasslands and beautiful streams what would it be like to live in a world that had no form to it no fill in it what would it be like to have a to have a, a blueberry plant that doesn't produce blueberries a chicken that doesn't lay eggs You know what I'm saying? God gave purpose to what he created, and if he created you, then he gave you purpose. If he created everything and gave it purpose, and you are part of that everything, then he's given you purpose. And Charles Spurgeon would say it like this, spiritual life depends on the purpose that we cherish. And there's one thing I've identified in teenagers and young adults, uh, millennials and below, that really holds them back from growth. It's the lack of purpose. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know where they're headed. When people are without purpose, it leads to depression and anxiety and frustration and then apathy, stepping back and not wanting to do anything. Because if you don't know where you're going, then usually you don't fight to get there. But God didn't leave you without purpose, just like he didn't leave his creation without purpose. That's why Jesus comes. He gives us a new purpose. He fills this world with His image. We are image bearers. And if that's true, then we have a purpose. And part of that purpose is that darkness would not rob you of light because we are those who carry light with us. Did you know that you like literally cannot live without light? Um, the the People who are way smarter than me on astrological stuff and whatever, um, they know that, like, if the sun was to blow up or explode, we probably actually wouldn't die from the heat. It wouldn't, like, incinerate us. What would happen is we'd have no no more light. The vegetation would die. The animals, because they had no thing to eat, would die. And ultimately, we would die. Within, like, three weeks, the whole world would be starved. We'd all be dead unbelievable. Light is the source of life. From light to life, Jesus, I think John like, picks up on this, Genesis picks up on this, and even Revelation picks up on us, that we need light to live. Like, to be sustained, we have to have life. Did you know that people have to take vitamin D nowadays because we don't get enough light? Like, it's recommended that we do it because we're not outside. If it's, if it's hot outside, we come inside so that it's cold. If it's cold outside, we come inside so that it's hot. And in all of that, we come inside and get rid of the thing that was built to sustain life. So then we have to take the vitamin that's enriched to us from it, vitamin D. We have to give babies uh, vitamin D drops because they're not in the sun enough. They don't have enough vitamin D in them. Have you thought through all that? And then the Bible tells us that Jesus is the light. Because there's nothing on earth more necessary to live than life and breath and food. And it turns out that Jesus is the bread of life. He's the light of the world, and he breathed life into us. He's everything that we would ever need to sustain life. D.A. Carson says this, he says, Light and darkness are not simply opposites. Darkness is nothing other than the absence of light. Where you go, you carry the light with you because Jesus is in you. But not only that, as Martin Lloyd-Jones says, the nearer you get to the light, the more you are aware of the darkness. So we carry light with us, but where we go when we encounter darkness, it's then that it's exposed as darkness. You know, darkness doesn't really know that it's dark until it sees light, right? You don't know, it doesn't know that there could be something else, and all of a sudden, when light comes into it, it shows it that it's dark. This is what Jesus says in John chapter 3. He reveals darkness when light comes. And so as you go with light in your life and you encounter darkness, remind, remember that where you go will not always enjoy your presence. Because darkness doesn't always like the light. But darkness will not overcome the light. As Daryl Bach says, Jesus talks and preaches about sin, but he does not isolate himself from sinners. He understands that in order for light to shine in darkness, the light must engage the darkness. So here we are, filled with the light, called into the darkness, exposing what is dark, reminding ourselves that we should never walk away from the goodness of the light. If we too are sinners, far from God, desperately in need of grace, remind yourself daily that the light that is necessary to live is shining on you. And man, do we long for Revelation 22. Man, will it be good to derive light and hope and joy and peace directly from the source. And the beauty of the gospel is this, that Jesus came... So that we'd have life now. So that the light of the world would be with us. So if you want the source of joy and hope and peace this Christmas season, turn to the source. You know, I was talking with one of my friends this week. When um, we used to go outside when I was kids, man, we lived uh, in Gainesville, Georgia. It's absolutely beautiful. Weather was phenomenal. Uh, we had um, a wonderful backyard backyard. Acres of land, bamboo forests, oak trees, paintball galore. We built um, huge tree houses 20, 30 feet in the, in the air and then paintball forts all over the place. We had an unbelievable time. Four wheelers flying through the woods. We'd go to friends' houses. I had 10 of my best friends in the same neighborhood. It's unbelievable. All the same age. It's crazy. So, what did we do? We went outside and we came back when it was dark, sometimes. <laughs> but when we went, we didn't take a water bottle with us. I, I, I don't think, and my mom might, she, she watches my sermon, so she might correct me. I don't know that I actually had a water bottle when I was like middle school teenager, right? I just went outside and played. When I got thirsty, what, what did I do? Side of the house, turn the spigot on, drink from the water, right? I'm still alive. We're good. Kids, you can do it, unless your parents tell you not to. We lived, right? Now, how many people in here did that? How many people went outside without a water bottle? Right? I, tell me this. Look, find a child, and there's going to be a water bottle in their hand. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We have water everywhere. Well, I was talking to one of my good friends this week. Carl, he's in, he's in the room with us. And we were talking about this, same thing. And he said, man, I, I, I'll tell you what I did. He, he lived in uh, uh, Pennsylvania, and he had a mountain stream Crisp, cool, clean water. And he drank directly from the stream. Man, that is good. He's still alive too. He's in the back. Um, it's good, right? Y'all, we pay $8 a bottle for that water today. <laughs> you go to a gas station, it's like mountain stream water. I'm like, dude, you can go lap that up <laughs> out of the water, right? Eight bucks for those things. It's expensive. I hope that your whole life you would derive what is good, the joy of the world and the hope of the world, directly from the source, from the good stuff. And I hope that you will turn your life and your attention this Christmas season directly to Jesus, for He is the light of the world. So my challenge to you this morning, knowing that Christ came into the world and lived a life that we couldn't live, that died the death that we should have died, and raised from the dead because we couldn't. And that if we believe in Him, we will have eternal life with Him, the light of the world. Knowing that truth, would you reevaluate your purpose this morning? Maybe today somebody in here in this room is like, man, I just, I just lost my rhythm in life. I don't really know what I'm doing. Well, God saw a formless world and gave it form and purpose. A sun to shine, An ocean for waves, and to breed life for food, for beauty? If He can do that with the world, He can do that with you. If you lack purpose, turn back to the Creator. He has purpose for you. Second, would you cherish your community that is around you? In life, it's so easy to go by having people around us and doubting what God has given us. Maybe you have one, maybe you have two, maybe you have ten but don't go through the Christmas season without telling somebody, thank you for being my community. Thank you for being with me because God created everything that is around us to be good and very good for us. He gave it purpose and you have community. Don't neglect what God has given you because Jesus created everything for us. Unbelievable gift from the God. And finally, would you shine your light? It says that we we now are a city on a hill, the light in the darkness. Imagine how much weight that carries, right? Jesus came as the light of the world, and then he sends us out, and he's like, hey, now the church is the light. We now carry light within us for the darkness. So go, church, shine the light of the world to the world. Light up the darkness. I'm going to pray for you, and we're going to continue in worship. And I'm just going to ask you during this time just to take a moment to sit back, pause, and ask, what is, perp- what is my purpose? Who, is my, who are my community? What do I enjoy in this creation? And how can I light up something that is dark? Let me pray for you. God, we thank you for being the light of the world through your Son, Jesus Christ. That you spoke light, that you sent light, and that you will be our eternal source of light. So may you, God, light up our lives from darkness, light it up, and give us life. For we know that you are our source. You are the good, the best source of life. So we love you, and we thank you, Father, in your Son's name. Amen.
1: coming we're not walking we're running god we need resurrender, surrender so we surrender your call for joining us this morning remember you're sitting to the midst of darkness to light it up we'll see you next week
0: you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey